You're listening to the Private Practice Workshop Podcast, and I'm your host, John Clark, helping you get more clients, make more money, and master private practice. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with my friend, Dr. Connor McClenahan. Uh, He's a licensed clinical psychologist out in the uh, Los Angeles area. He's best known for helping therapists knock it out of the park with video marketing. He founded Coupla Media with his twin brother, Brendan, to help therapists engage new clients uh, through video and believes in making marketing relational rather than grabby. That's a fun word. Um, Connor also owns a group practice in downtown Los Angeles. Um, uh, so uh, really fun episode. We're sitting down, we're talking uh, a lot about community, reducing isolation, scarcity versus abundance, and how to kind of rethink that, um, how to rethink marketing uh, overall. We went a little bit deep, I have to say so myself, and it's a good time to go deep and be thoughtful and be um, get clear on our visions here at the start of a new year. So I hope you had a good new year. Hope you didn't miss me too much, but if you did, then you're probably really happy that we're back now with regular Wednesday episodes. I'm happy to be back. Um, so it's January 8th, and uh, as promised, this is the kickoff of a new season, and I'm really excited to um, be kicking off this new season with you. So um, what does that mean? Well, it basically means we are back to our weekly episodes. We're going to have all new guests, all new uh, solo episodes, and solo episodes with a twist potential co-host coming up um, that I think you're going to like a lot. So there's a lot to be introduced uh, this season. So a quick listener shout out before we get into it. This one's coming from Jimmy Jam on iTunes. He said, John has a great way about him as he delivers high quality information with a no nonsense approach. I appreciate that. Although I do throw in a little bit of nonsense. He's not overly promotional. Thank you. I've been called overly promotional (laughs) and the info is easy to digest while being applicable to the world of private practice. The guests are relevant and just as down to earth as he is. That's really nice. I've listened to more than a few podcasts from so-called experts, quote unquote, in the field, and this is by far my favorite to date. Keep up the great work, John. Jimmy Jam, whoever you are, that is extremely nice. I didn't even read this review before I started reading it, but my goodness, I'm blushing behind the mic. You'll just have to imagine what that looks like. Along with this new season, before we dive into the full episode, I've got another piece of really good news. That's that our friends at Spruce Health have um, decided to sponsor the podcast this season. And I couldn't be more excited to be um, partnering with them again. They're a fantastic company. What is Spruce? Well, Spruce Spruce has been featured on the show before, but basically it's a HIPAA um, uh, compliant phone system unlike probably what you're using right now. It's completely user-friendly. Clients and providers alike love it and uh, can be rest assured that all your communication, both internally with your team or your assistant or whoever, and with your clients can be completely HIPAA compliant. I absolutely love it. Uh, It's got a beautiful interface. It's easy to use. Their pricing is super reasonable. You can get a phone number for your area. So I highly recommend that you either sign up or make the switch from whatever you're using right now. Okay, so um, uh, fortunately, they're offering 20% off your first month uh, just for our listeners when you use the code PPW20 uh, at checkout. So all you have to do is download the app or go on desktop to sprucehealth.com. You can sign up for a free trial. And then when you're ready to check out, use the code PPW20 for uh, 20% off your first month. What's not to love about that? So thanks again, Spruce, for sponsoring the show. And without further ado, let's dive in.
Connor, welcome to the show. I should say welcome back to the show. Yeah, hey, John. Your familiar face, and uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm happy to see you again. Yeah, this is good. It's the good new time. year, and it's new year. that can either mean lots of things, or it can, uh, well, we assign meaning to it, I should say. Yeah, sure. Well, actually, for me, it feels good of, like, there was something about uh, the holidays that kind of felt somehow like fall, you know, where things are kind of somehow like pruning themselves you know as you get to like the holidays and like i can't quite start something new uh but just got back into it you know this last week uh with my other clinicians here at the practice and uh some other ideas that are kind of brewing for me that really felt energizing to look forward to in this new year nice um so it's good to kind of hit the ground running and to to have some things that are kind of growing and to to see that happening and nurture it in some ways so yeah it's good being in california i always missed true seasons huh. i call them true seasons <laughs> uh-huh well northern california does have seasons doesn't it it's you got more the fog seasonal season. than than uh-huh. la i suppose but i've never yeah. lived in la yeah. so what's it like to live in la where i guess the seasons are even more moderate than san francisco right yeah it's kind of like there there's it's nice to have a pace right like i'm, I'm familiar with working with uh lawyers i see a lot of lawyers in my downtown office and uh there's no like break yeah. for people no matter yeah. who you are what profession of like oh this is the season where we don't worry about yada yada we just relax a bit more you know <laughs> I, I envy teachers in that way of of yeah. having like a pace yeah. pace to their lives and something yeah. like that um uh it, it's something that you have to kind of build in yourself i guess of of having to say no to clients even when when uh you could you could otherwise see them just knowing that it's going to be something that builds something for you yeah, yeah. That's a good point. So one season, if there is one for private practice, a lot of therapists will say that, I guess the holiday time or around this time that we're just mm-hmm. rounding out here is a bit slower. And then January um, may or may not be slow. What are your thoughts on that for for folks or for yourself? Yeah, um, slow. I, I think there's two different modes that I kick into. One is um, uh, seeing clients, right? And doing kind of this the next uh, appointment slot that's in front of me. And then another one is like when things turn down client wise, uh, there's a whole another set of things. Maybe you're familiar with this too, John, of like, of things that you do to kind of move the ball forward in those times. So it doesn't really feel like off. It feels like a switch of settings, right. Of mm-hmm. like, now is the time that I get to plan, uh, to blog, to go over my copy again, to make sure my headshots are good and stuff like that. Uh, that I don't get to when I'm just seeing clients. And so uh, I think this is a season for that. And um, something, I mean, kind of as we were talking about what we we're going to talk about today, I think about that too, of of kind of this, this pernicious uh, metric that we use often to gauge our practices of how many clients we're seeing. And maybe as we're thinking about the new year, we can talk about that a little bit about Uh, This thing that I know that if we've talked, uh, something that we hear from from people who are either wanting help with consulting or growing their practice of like, uh, you know, how do I go from 10 to 20 clients is like the most common thing at Kupo Media Mm -hmm. that we hear is I really I'm at 10 clients. I want to go to 20 clients. And that's something that you hear. Yeah, that that number is kind of the glass ceiling, Uh the the half glass ceiling. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, um, missing the mark in a lot of ways or it it keeps us maybe trapped in a lot of ways. Um, it, it, it's a really thin vision for what we want for our practices is to just see more people. Yeah. There was a, I, I was talking with a therapist today and 
you know, we were, I started the conversation by uh, just hearing about his practice. Who does he like mm-hmm. to work with? How do clients find him? And then mm-hmm. the question, how many clients are you seeing right now? And he said, yeah. he gave me a bunch of numbers that, um, uh-huh. that uh, almost made it more confusing. He basically said this, <laughs> well, I have 20 clients. Uh-huh. And when you hear 20 clients, you know, most therapists go, Oh, this dude is rocking and rolling. Yeah, you know, full this, practice. he's great. crushing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And then he uh, said, "Great. Uh, so, how many of those come each week?" And he said, "Well, like maybe eight. I said, "Okay, <laughs> cool." And and um, uh-huh. like, are they? Yeah. Uh, do you take insurance or whatever? And he said, "Well, they're all from BetterHelp." So huh. he was like, "So the pay is terrible." <laughs> oh, really? Wow. So it's like 20, mu- 20 clients does not mean one thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, and that was the, clients at five dollars a piece. Yeah. Right? Exactly. That was the takeaway, yeah. which is don't don't yeah. accept that first number. And for him, yeah, it was like um, not only is am I not where I want to be, but then he had this you know this situation with BetterHelp and nothing against them, but that was it. That was kind of where he was at, which is that um, it was up to BetterHelp yeah. to give him more clients or to determine how much he was going to make per client. So yeah. anyway, we can't take that first number at face value. Uh huh. Totally. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of like. I also feel like you remember like in like high school when, uh, you know, your parents are like, or at least my parents, like, what, what's your goal for this semester? And a really easy one is like, uh, you know, uh, I want to get an A in yeah. yada, yada, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's a terrible goal, right? <laughs> like it's a terrible goal to have like some kind of far off thing of, you know, I want 20 clients. Uh, a better one is like, I want to do my homework every night, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like I want to, I want to put. I, I want to do the thing that I can actually control rather than uh, what I can't control. Um, and I think 20 clients or whatever number of clients it is for mm-hmm. a practice is a little bit like that, kind of like mm-hmm. getting the A. Um, so uh, I think there are a couple other things that I think are worth thinking about when mm-hmm. thinking about like a vision for your life, which is, um, for example, how much money do you want to make per session, mm-hmm. right? Um, or how many days off a week? That's something that I've shifted in oh, this year. I had, a, I had a goal uh, this year. Uh, to take three days off um, a week, uh, just because I, I have three kids and mm-hmm. um, and it really means a lot to be home with them. And so I had some clients that I was seeing on Sundays, and I, and I had to move those uh, off yeah. of off of Sunday to be able to prioritize my family, uh, even if that means a financial hit yeah. or client hit. That's still moving in a good direction. So, yeah. um, or how much like vacation to, per year to oh, do yeah. that mm-hmm. or to shut that day down? Because I think a lot of therapists will mm-hmm. hold on to. A time slot or a chunk, yeah, a weekend chunk like that out of some fear. So what was it like for you to go through that? Um, uh, it, was, it, it, was, it was hard. I, I had some clients who, um, who, who really depended on that time. And so it was a really difficult decision mm-hmm. ethically for me, but also just uh, my client relationships with them. And uh, it, it, it was hard for me to put weight behind how important that time was yeah. for me and my family. Um, those are the times that it, it kind of came more to the forefront when I'd talk to my wife and it would kind of highlight it of like, Oh, I'm missing out, you know, like I'm missing out on this time. Mm-hmm. She's taking the kids to the park or whatever. And I don't get that perspective when I'm just in the room with my clients yeah. or when I'm just looking at my bank account, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's like, what's important to me and what's it worth to, to move in that direction. Yeah. That's huge. Right? I, I assume there are similar things for you too, of going to Paris, right? Yeah, or course. the other things that you have to like, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, it's, 
the risk in private practice, um, it, it is like that for me, for sure. The risk in private practice is that you build an untenable job that you, and you're working more than you ever have in your life. <laughs> mm. You know, yeah. and you, yeah, and you have less time with your family and make less money and are more stressed than you ever uh -huh. were at a job uh -huh. or agency or college counseling or whatever it may sure. be. And I, when I see that, I'm like, that truly defeats the purpose, right? Because you're, there's already some yeah. in, inherent challenges in private practice, like having to create your own benefits if your partner doesn't have, you know, health insurance for the family yeah. or something or, yeah. or mm -hmm. paid time off or whatever it is. So there's already some of those challenges you have to overcome and if you create yeah. just a, a, a pure chaos for yourself um private practice might not be so dreamy right it might not be the dream yeah. that you that you dreamt of depending on how you chaos it. right yeah and i feel like sometimes we respond to that chaos by just saying i have to get more clients that's all i've got if i just get more clients I'll, I'll be okay instead of it might be adding to the chaos yeah. right to not have a vision for your life um some of the most productive times i've had is just like pulling away or taking a weekend to not do anything and yeah. to just, you know, uh, recenter myself. So I, I know it's important again in my life. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think that's it, it really important. But then the other thing I think is, can be really pernicious about trying to get more clients is I think, uh, clients can smell it, you know, 100%. like I think it ends up sounding grabby. It yeah. sounds so bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. uh, I, I can think of like blogs that I've written that are all about why you should come to therapy yeah. <laughs> and uh it's all about you know positioning my need of them coming into therapy yeah. versus just being helpful and um and i think that can be really uh damaging you know long term of like yeah. always putting myself in this position of of trying to get more in clients being able to see that i think some therapists feel almost lucky to have a client or or lucky that um mm. a client would choose them and also <clears throat> you you have to get into what does a therapist believe about their differentiating factors one mm. that i hear a lot especially with therapists starting out are well two things one is i'm more available than other therapists meaning i will mm. do those sunday slots when other therapists yeah. won't right yeah. or i'll mm -hmm. do the 9:30 p.m. slot even though other, yeah. you know some other therapist won't or it's bad for my family or my sleep or whatever the other one is you know i met a therapist one time that did this kind of like a uh, concierge service for clients so um, mm -hmm. we were talking about what makes her different and she said basically well i um you know i do the hour in session and then clients can text me anytime and i send them a worksheet every week like uh -huh in between sessions and i was yeah. like wow that's great you know, it's a really high-end kind of service and she said they uh -huh. can call me you know if they need uh -huh. to call during the week i'm like wow that's incredible how yeah. much do you charge <laughs> and it was a For normal session fee yeah and she yeah. said i yeah. charge wow less than my competitors actually but this is just um, how i differentiate how you survive how you yeah. get how you float yeah. yeah and i think there's there's like this thing of i think especially as therapists uh a lot of i think what we find common together is this way that we've known how to cope with conflict or yeah. with scarcity of like, oh, I have huge. to make myself more available. That's a really unique thing. I think yep. to helping professions, right? 100%. It's like, man, I'm struggling. What I know to do here is to offer myself more, yeah. you know, <laughs> to do a lower fee, to yep. like listen harder to like, and all that can come from this place of anxiety of honestly, like neuroticism or like terror inside. Right. And so something that I've, struggled with in that same place myself because i can remember a couple of years ago when 
I was just getting off the ground in downtown LA and feeling a lot of the scarcity and um, uh, just being totally lost inside my head around what do I do. Yep. Um, and I remember my own therapist um, who had been in practice for 10 years and stuff uh, being able to basically say, Connor, you're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. You're going to be okay. Um, and it was that act of support. Um, I think something else he said was like, you know, the clients come, you know, you don't have to worry so much. And it was that act of support that like pulled me out of that into mm-hmm. this place of like, all right, what do I want my practice to look like? Who do I want to serve? But yeah. And so I think sometimes like the first step isn't even to do something. It's just to be supported, mm-hmm. um, just to find exactly. some kind of common ground to stand on together. Um, that helps us move from this place of scarcity to like maybe gratitude. Um, well, there's, there's no yeah. middle. The problem is there's no middle step between scarcity and, mm-hmm. and abundance, which are the, uh-huh. our favorite buzzwords now in the industry. Uh-huh. Yep. So it's yep. like either I'm completely starved for clients or, uh-huh. I'm, you know, overwhelmed $75,000 a month, you know, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> there's really no in between. It's like, uh-huh. how about just realistic and like, <laughs> you yeah. know, appropriately yeah. self-assured. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's been helpful for me. Like whenever I like start to be like, Oh my gosh, I got to get more clients. I have to like stop myself and be like, okay, you're probably just scared. But like, and I picture like, you know, some of my friends who I've known since preschool and telling them that I'm scared and then being like, what are you so worried about? We've got you like, don't, you know, like, it's like, that's the shift that I need to make before I do anything else. Um, which is hard because I think again we're we're used to like just pushing ahead when we're um, when we're going low on clients or whatever mm-hmm. of like this kind of neurotic place or scarce place that we mm-hmm. get in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's yeah. there's going back to the uh, neuroticism thing. There's I think there's a codependence thing as well because there's a real fear mm-hmm. of pissing off our clients. Right? There's a real fear of like even telling a client, "Hey, I don't see." clients after 6 30 a lot of therapists it's almost like i might get in trouble if i were to say that or set that boundary or raise my fear leave me they might leave totally yeah 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 um instead of this is what i need to do in order to be the best i can be yeah you know i have to set this boundary for myself um yeah totally um yeah so um that's been like something for me i've uh just kind of my story this last year is that um I actually got licensed, um, uh, you know, I, I was a PA for several years mm-hmm. and then got licensed back last uh, year and a half ago, you know, uh, 18 months ago or so. And then um, uh, started growing a practice downtown here in L.A. And um, it was a lot of that because I was kind of reinventing what it what it was that I wanted for my practice mm-hmm. and for my life. And um, so part of that was like, OK, what, you know, beyond just seeing, let's say, between 20 and 30 clients a week, what do I really want this to look like, you know? Um, and so I, I have a couple of people, actually most of the people that are in my therapy office are people that I knew in grad school, mm-hmm. uh, people that I, I was like, who do I really want to hang, hang around? If I'm going <laughs> to see these people every day, you know, like of my working life, you know, who, who are these people going to be? And, and um, uh, you know, tried to create some kind of atmosphere that would feel supportive and, uh, collaborative. Um, we're after this meeting, we're all going out to coffee together and, you know, grab some, nice. but that stuff is like so important. It's like ground zero. That's gotta be the foundation 
that keeps me from from burnout. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I um, there was this therapist a couple of years ago. W- one of our clinicians, uh, she uh, she was like, "Oh, I got this piece of furniture. I think we could use in our lobby." I'm like, "Oh, really?" I was like, "Where'd you get it?" And she's like, "Oh, from uh, from this therapist. She's actually uh, kind of sad. She's she's kind of packing up shop, and you know, I think she's done with her practice." I was like, "What?" She's like, yeah, I think she was burnt out. And I remember visiting this person like a, a couple months beforehand and she had been like, uh, you know, talking to me just normally, whatever. But I think she was like just burnt out being alone in a room, wow. her whole practice. So she was and having became, a therapy office yard sale yeah, of sorts. Yeah, exactly. Man. And um, uh, it was it was like a parable to me of like, <laughs> you know, what it can feel like to do to do yeah. the work alone. Yeah. Well, there's enough research to support that, right? And you know, what's interesting is, so uh, I mean, to take it one level deeper, I think it's it's an extraordinary task to be a therapist in that you're exposed to potentially a lot of darkness. Meaning, mm-hmm. if you have seven people in a day that come in and are sharing their the worst things, the worst things <laughs> of their lives, yeah, or totally. if you're let's just say a trauma specialist and you're doing seven hours of trauma therapy, you're exposed to an incredible amount of darkness, right? Yeah. In in life and in what can happen and then abuse and just terrible things that you hear in, in session. And, you know, we, uh, so I used to be an EMT when I was younger and I, I then was doing research on EMTs and paramedics and, uh, obviously you see a lot of horrific things as an EMT and yeah. it just has to be done. Like there's, it's just a job that has to be done. And if you're in that job, there's really nothing to shield you from like seeing yeah. horrible things. And <clears throat> out of all the coping skills that EMTs use, the number one, uh, well, the most effective coping skill out of all of them was just making, uh, having, creating shared meaning with one another. Yeah. And basically just, talking about being what happened, together or just being in it together. Sometimes not even talking about what happened, but being in it huh. together and um, being able to have that shared experience. Right. And then to be able to unwind or have like a meal together after your yeah. shift or whatever. And so anyway, long winded yeah. response to say it's no, there's something similar that we need exactly to do. It. Yeah. As and um, did you feel like you were part of a team when you were going through that kind of stuff? To. Or was it kind of like everyone's, everyone's isolated doing their own thing? I had to because when you're on a when we were running a shift, we had a crew and there is very clear roles. So you had a driver who may or may not be have medical training. Then you had yeah. what's called the attendant in charge, which means the most medical person on the ambulance. And then you mm-hmm. had an attendee basically, which they could either have medical training or be an assistant. And mm-hmm. I think fortunately, you know, there is a there's a deep kind of team culture because the goal is just mm-hmm. to get the patient to the hospital yeah safely yeah. that's always the goal and i think even a challenge let's say in a, a group practice is sometimes oftentimes therapists don't feel like they have their needs met enough to support one another right or they yeah. can even become pitted against one another because it's like oh you're you're competing for the same leads I am. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hate that. Uh So there isn't really a shared mission, right? It's not like, Oh, we are. Yeah. uh If you carry, if you carry that analogy forward, it would be like if we were the driver and the medical professional and the assistant, (laughs) but then we're competing against other ambulances. Yeah. Those same people to get our our needs met. Right. What a terrible situation. And I feel like private practice is, is set up in that way sometimes. Yeah. We have these clinicians who are literally sharing a wall with 
um, who were secretly even competitive toward um, and isolated from at the same time, yeah. instead of like collaborating together. The, the most beautiful times of, of, of my profession are like times when I, I get to like consult with other clinicians and like feel some kind of like me too. Mm-hmm. Instead of like this isolated raft in the middle of the Pacific ocean. Yep. Um, yeah. And so that, that's been something that's been turning around in my mind here. And I know we've talked a little bit about that, but like, um, about structurally, what is it that's set up in our, in the way that we even do private practice that keeps us isolated yeah. from each other, yeah. um, instead of collaborating together, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm a twin. And so like, there's something that feels so, uh, um, second nature or maybe first nature to me about like, the idea of sharing together being mm-hmm. something that can enrich us. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like for my practice? Even as I think about the people that I share walls with, mm-hmm. um, to really move into that kind of space together where yep. we can really support each other. Yep. And to me, that that's a goal for this next year yep. is like, how do I, how do I move into that space? Cause that yep. makes all the difference in terms of the clients that I attract in terms of the, the fee that I charge, mm-hmm. uh, the way that I don't carry my work home. Um, all that stuff makes a huge difference yep. to me. You've got something up your sleeve with this being said. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, yeah, something that um, that I've been really working on here is, you know, on one hand, uh, you have private practice where you have to do everything yourself and you are responsible for all your payments and setting up your website. You have to be an SEO expert to do well. And on the other hand, I see other clinicians who are, you know, wanting to go into group practice just because of the security of it end up paying like you know sometimes 40 percent of their income mm-hmm. uh of their take home to the group you know as part of their contract um and is there another way for us to practice that really allows us to collaborate together um and the the thing that i've been uh, really building here is something called here counseling center that we're just starting to get off the ground here um that we've been talking about a little bit uh that that uh that I think is a really a third option that provides a lot of freedom for therapists um, that really centers on collaboration mm-hmm. uh, and kind of a membership structure as opposed to private practice or a group structure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love it. And when you first, you know, when, when we first started talking about it, I thought, um, I thought it was a fantastic idea because there are, like I mentioned, there there are weaknesses and kind of threats, mm-hmm. so to speak, to um, uh, to any private practice, right? And it mm-hmm. is a lot to manage. And I will say, it's not for everyone. I think mm-hmm. clinicians often want the flexibility to practice how they want, to set mm-hmm. their fees, right, to collect yeah. payment the way they want. I think you should have that, you know. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, some therapists that um, are like incredibly gifted clinically can be those therapists sitting there with no clients, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. They don't adapt as well to the business side of things. I also see, you know, a downside to the group practice model can be therapists can grow resentful of that cut that they're of their fee that they're getting, right? It incentivizes the best therapist to leave to leave because once they get above, you know, what they would pay market rate for all those services, like what what that can I staying around here for if if I'm paying you know four thousand dollars of my money a month to this to this group practice and they leave with a you know a caseload um, typically so there's yeah I mean there's downsides to that model as well and also there's a lot of clinicians that get kind of uh, duped into joining a group practice because they wanted community 
Or yeah. that, you know, they wanted that support, but it ends up being very little. It ends up being like totally. me against you. So I just, yeah. I just love your, your model and your yeah, ideas thanks. around this. And I'm just excited yeah. to see it take yeah, off. Yeah, totally. So the, the goal this year would to be to, uh, to develop maybe like the first site or two of your counseling. Um, and basically what it is, is a, a membership structure where you pay a flat fee. That's a little bit more than what you would pay in rent, but included in that you get services that you're collaborating on you know just like you know you're all chipping money into the bucket to have a phone assistant um to have a website that generates referrals full fee referrals for you in an ad campaign you know things like that that otherwise we have to kind of scramble to figure out ourselves i remember you talking about this to me maybe back in slowdown school a couple years ago of like here we're expecting therapists to like learn to be seo experts like mm -hmm. on their own and to like learn how to be blogging experts and website mm -hmm. developers like and here we are, we want to mainly get high quality referrals and do quality clinical work and know that referrals are still going to come our way and that, that we can collaborate with people around us. So, um, so it's like, how do we do that in the most pure way? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think this is an exciting different kind of model that, that I've heard, heard some interest in, um, in terms of meeting a real need that, uh, that is kind of waiting to be, um, provided. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. And, you know, when we talked, I said there's basically, there's a bit of a parallel in my own experience now as a, as a entrepreneur, as a freelancer, as a consultant mm -hmm. who works on my own and, but then lacks that community or lacks some of that in-person community, you know, and yeah. so a place that I can find that or create some of that is, let's say a co-working space, which exists for entrepreneurs yeah. uh, and digital nomads and all these what uh -huh. what nots and uh, uh -huh. but not for therapists yeah that's true yeah like we work is right across the way from us here mm -hmm. in downtown um and i've been to their office and it's a cool thing of like yeah. you know the the glass walls and i've actually looked into that stuff but it's like as a therapist you can't enter in because you it need a private work. space it wouldn't work but well, i love yeah. <laughs> the, the ethos of it you know yeah. like the the way that you, you there's like this shared space yeah. where um where you're not just you know in an office alone yeah um i think that really speaks to a need kind of growing yeah. yeah well they set the stage you know for for the interaction and for the community but the people really have to make the community uh, you know and and ultimately mm. the the makeup yeah. of those people and the combination is what's going to create real community totally yeah totally it has to make sense in a couple different ways right like um it can't just be like oh i'm going to sign up and be part of a community it has to like make sense like to your spouse right of like yeah. You know, like this makes sense because I also don't have to pay for my own internet service, yeah. you know, and, you know, financially it makes sense. At the same time, I think people end up finding something a lot more supportive that doesn't really have a, uh, 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 what should we call it? Like a direct relationship Yeah. of like, yeah. you know, what it feels like to actually share space with people that you know and who are in that with you yeah. um, is I think a really good thing. Yeah. I also think it gets really gray really fast when group practice owners are kind of controlling the way the clinicians practice. Uh -huh. I can also tell you as a former yeah. group practice owner, sold, you know, sold my group practice back in April, 2019. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we came, I came up upon this dilemma at some point with at least one of my clinicians, if not a couple of like, Hey, I want to practice this way, or I want to try this thing. That's like a little bit unconventional yeah. or a little bit, more holistic than I think the board would, you know, yeah. uh, really like, what do you think? And I'm like, 
Yeah. It's your practice. It's your, it's your client, right? Um, yeah. But then also the practice is thinking of basically liability um, for that practice. But then it's like, well, who's ultimately responsible for that care being provided? Is it the practice? Sure. Is, it the, is it the clinician? And I never felt like it was my place to dictate how, uh, you know, a, a clinician should practice. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Should, do I, do I care? Did I care about how they regard their clients? Of course. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a, it, yeah, philosophical question as well. Yeah, and, and it's also a structural problem, right, of if as a group practice you are set up in a certain way, um, you have to care about how the other clinicians are practicing yeah, exactly. because it's your name out yeah. there as opposed to it being a co-working space True. where you have a lot of freedom of, like, these people all are collaborating together, you know, with all their diversity um, and sharing the walls together, you know, yeah. um, which I think it provides a bit more of a... Of something that meets the way that we all each have our diversity Yeah. where we, by signing up for a group practice, I don't have to, or for a co-working space, I don't have to also subscribe to, you know, uh, contemporary psychoanalytic thought, mm-hmm. you know, um, I can, I can have my own independent thought and still mm-hmm. practice in collaboration with these other people here. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Man. Well, I think, uh, I, I would, I would reckon we've piqued people's interests, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for people that are interested, where should they go to find more about Hear Counseling and also about uh, yeah. you and your brother's work, of course? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Coupal Media, we're always doing stuff. Um, we have our practice shorts. So if you want video on your website, super easy to sign up to do that. Um, go to Coupal Media, C-U-P-L-A. Perfect. Uh, media.com. But then um, with Hear Counseling, you can go on there. Right now we have a landing page where you'll be able to learn more about the like this platform or this co-working space. Um, and uh, so that's herecounseling.com. And then at the bottom, there's like a way that you can sign up to show your interest. That way we know to kind of keep you in contact. There's going to be limited spots uh, starting in LA uh, for this model. And so uh, the first people in the door are going to be the first people considered. And um, so, yeah, excited to build that. So if that love interests it. you, please reach out. Love to hear from you. Awesome. There you have it, folks. Connor, thanks for coming back and yeah. um, for uh, for going deep with me. Yeah, good time. <laughs> You're always down for a good a good chat and uh, uh-huh. to uncover yeah. things a bit, which you would think every therapist would be, but... You know, it's part of our job, right? Case. Not everyone's yeah. a deep thinker. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, John, good to talk to you. Thanks again for being here. See you soon. Yep. There you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, if you're listening to this show, then all I ask for in return is that you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. And by the way, you can listen pretty much anywhere now, uh, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or now on Spotify. So if you're a Spotify uh, user like myself, then Spotify is a great place to find this podcast and subscribe there. Um, And again, uh, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening. Otherwise, share your favorite episode with a friend or two. That really helps me get the word out. We want to keep growing the show in 2020, and that all depends on you. So thanks in advance for that. And also thanks again to our sponsors at Spruce Health. Go ahead and head on over to sprucehealth.com using the code, man, let me not get it wrong, PPW20, no spaces, PPW20 at checkout for 20% off your first month. That's another great way to support the show. Hope you have a good week. I'll see you next time, same uh, same time, same place, and I look forward to it very much. Have a good week. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.